So there's a band called Mumford and Sons. Normally, I would never, ever, ever be talking about Mumford and Sons. It just wouldn't come up. I have nothing against them, but it's just, all right, Mumford and Sons. But no, this is a story of cancel culture. This is a story of bigotry. This is the story of what happens if you speak your mind and how afraid people are to do so and how they fall back on these, well, I I guess the the appropriate one-liner about how they need to educate themselves. All of this because the banjoist, guy who plays banjo for Mumford & Sons, liked a book from Andy No. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669, Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Andy No, it's spelled N-G-O, a journalist. Oh, pay no attention to what the political left calls him, a journalist, and was there watching the violence of Antifa and reporting on the violence of Antifa and got attacked by Antifa. Every time they want to say, these are anti-fascists, no, they're not, they're fascists. Antifa is violence. It's not because I say so, it's because I have eyes, and so do you. And it doesn't matter if Joe Biden says Antifa is just an idea. That idea has killed people, and that idea has destroyed property, and that idea has hurt people and destroyed lives. When I say killed people, Antifa wasn't involved in the Chaz Chop and, and other areas where people died uh, due, due to rioting and prolonged rioting? Of course they were. Antifa hasn't just cold-cocked people, assaulted people in the streets? Of course they have. Antifa is fascism. Antifa is violence. Not violent. They are violent. They are violence by nature. That's the only way they exist. Let's bring it over to the banjoist. His name is Winston Marshall. You know what Winston Marshall did? He read Andy No's book, Unmasked, Inside Antifa's Radical Plan to Destroy Democracy. And you know what he said? He said it was a good book. Finally had the time to read your important book, You're a Brave Man. He's got less than 8,000 followers on Twitter. I have four times as many, five, four times as many, right? I don't have a ton of followers on social media. Maybe if I spent more time on social media, but I just, I just, I can't live by the 280 words or characters. I can't do it. It's just not my milieu. Finally had the time to read your important book. You're a brave man. That's all he said. Well, people went crazy on him. People started screaming uh, and 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 yelling and going after him. The band itself turned on him. Let's say that again. Mumford and Sons, the band, turned on him. How do I know this? His apology. He deleted every single tweet except this one. Over the past few days, I have come to better understand the pain caused by the book. I endorsed. I have, offend, I, have, I have offended not only a lot of people I don't know, but also those closest to me, including my bandmates, and for that I am truly sorry. 
As a result of my actions, I am taking time away from the band to examine my blind spots. For now, please know that I realize how my endorsements have the potential to be viewed as approvals of hateful, divisive behavior. I apologize, as this was not at all my intention. No, your intention was to say it was a good book, and you did. That was your intention. And what happened is, violent extremists, Mumford and Sons, said that you're despicable for liking a book that points out the violence of Antifa. Well, at least now I know what side they're on. You liked a book and they want to throw you out of the band? Or you felt you had to take a step away from the band? Let's be clear. They asked you to step away from the band. What pain came was caused by the book you endorsed? You endorsed somebody who shared the story of the violence of Antifa, a guy who had uh, milkshakes thrown at him. And you understand what a milkshake is, right? So this started in the UK when they threw uh, milkshakes on... um, Oh, God, what's his name? Neil, oh, my God, I can see him. I'll remember his name. Uh, uh, Conservative, British, uh, former parliamentarian. Oh, come on, Tony. I'll get to it. I I, I will get to it. I've met the man. I can't remember his name. And this became a thing. Milkshaking became a thing. No, 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 not the kind that brings all the boys to the yard. Physically throwing a milkshake at somebody, but then people decided, well, if it's if it's if it's a milkshake, what 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 can you put in the milkshake? Well, you can put uh, uh, ready-made concrete in the milkshake, throw it on somebody, and then it dries. Hey, how about throwing some bleach into the milkshake, and then boom, throw it right at them? That'd be funny. See if you can blind them or or or, or chemically uh, hurt them, burn them. Oh, that's hilarious! And that's what was happening. And that happened to Andy No. Nigel Farage, thank you so much, producer Ari. That happened, this milkshaking happened to Andy No. They are violent. This guy read a book and said, good book. And now he's at fault for causing pain. As a result of my actions, what actions? Please know that I realize how my endorsements have the potential to be viewed as approvals for hateful, divisive behavior. Andy No is not involved in any hateful, divisive behavior. He reported on the violence that is Antifa. This is political correctness. This is a world of fear. Winston Marshall is afraid for his life at this moment. He has to be. I'm reading the words. He is afraid and out of his skull. His own band turned on him. They turned on him because he had the audacity to read a book, to do something out of line. You want to know how bad it's gotten? There you go. Share this story with your kids. Do me a favor, producer Ari. It's in the show sheet. Make sure we get this story out there. Sarah, make sure we get it on the Facebook page. Share this story with your kids tonight. Go over it with them at the dinner table. You guys don't eat dinner together? Do it tonight. Do it tonight. That if your friends are going to drop you because you read a book, those aren't friends.
Those are those are overlords who want to keep an eye on you and make sure you're doing the right things. Well, what's the right thing? What they decide. Who are they to decide? Aha. People are often saying, why in the world are you worried about Dr. Seuss? Because it's a conversation about what free speech is all about. If you want to argue that some of the imagery in Dr. Seuss's books are, are, are outdated and, well, downright nasty, you can do that. The answer is ban the book from libraries. You're out of your mind. In what society are we better off with less books? The totalitarian society is the one that says less books. Isn't that a coincidence? The people that Andy Noe is writing about, the people who think Andy Noe is the violent one, are the people in favor of less books. Why would anybody be a Mumford & Sons fan? Look at what they believe in. You know, I've always said this about Rage Against the Machine. Man, they could do some good music. Morello and company, they, kids can play. You know what their problem is? Worthless communists. They're commies. The music is unbelievably good. Their ideology is unbelievably crap. I'm not supposed to notice? I notice. I know the music's good. I know talent when I see it. I wish they weren't commies. That's why I don't own any of their CDs and I don't go to their shows, which people pay money for. You see how that works? That's hilarious. Mumford and Sons doesn't believe in free speech and they don't believe in a sharing of ideas. You have to do exactly what they tell you to do or you're out. It's frightening because you know it's not just Mumford and Sons. You know it's happening in, in schools. You know it's happening at the workplace. You know it's happening on social media. You know it's happening with your friends. Everybody knows the truth and everyone's afraid to speak out. It is 1984 come to life. It is everything we watched in movies that said, that's not happening in America. Here it is. In the hushed tones and whispers, hey, yeah, you, hey. That's a really good book. And then they run away. And you never really get a look at their face, so you can't report them or anybody else can't report them. This is a horror show going on. And it's a horror show in all the places. Everyone's scared for their lives and for their futures because they have a difference of ideas. This once again proves that all diversity is good except for diversity of thought, which is the only diversity that matters. For any employer, the only thing that matters is diversity of thought. It's the only thing. Without diversity of thought, you have nothing. You don't actually have diversity. Doesn't matter what skin colors, it doesn't matter what sexualities. No, 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 no. Only diversity that matters is diversity of thought and everything else is a joke. It's getting ugly out there. And it's getting harder and harder to speak out. So what we got to do is we got to do a better and better job of speaking out. You could get fired. You could lose friends. You could get derision on social media. That's right. That's the price you pay for a free society. If you actually want to keep it. I'm Tony Katz.
So, of course, it's a border crisis. Everybody knows it's a border crisis. Everyone except the Biden administration, it seems. I mean, my gosh, when they're asked by Peter Ducey, they're in the briefing about what's going on. Roberta Jackson, who's the White House border coordinator, gives one of the most, well, inane answers ever. ...of these migrants in their home country. Uh, Madam Ambassador, do you think it's a coincidence that as soon as Trump and his immigration policy were on the way out and Biden and his stated policy were on the way in, this historic surge at the border started? Well, first of all, one of the things I think is important is we've seen surges before. Surges tend to respond to hope. They respond to the ability to get into the country easily. That's what they respond to. They respond to an easy access point and an administration that offers easy accessibility. They're not responding to hope. They're responding to an administration that has said, welcome. Welcome in, bienvenue. I don't know, it's the most I can do in a, in a cabaret kind of style. They can't admit the fact that they caused this problem, and they have no way out of it. Jen Psaki got asked this question about messaging. So, do you have a messaging problem? Well, I would say that in the last administration, we had a morality problem and uh, children were being pulled from the arms of their parents and kids were being set, uh, sent back on a treacherous journey. And that's not the approach of this administration. Kids taken from their parents. I agree. We don't want that. We don't want any part of that. You could have changed that in Congress and never did because you liked the problem when you were Democrats who were in the minority, in the majority in the House, but you get my point. You liked it. You wanted it. You wanted the issue. That's a terrible thing to say about people. You wanted people separated, families separated. You wanted the problem. It's obvious that you wanted the problem. You wanted the problem, so you called it kids in cages, as opposed to now when it's kids at the embassy suites getting the warm, gooey chocolate chip cookie and being tucked in at night. It's kids in cages. It was kids in cages three months ago. It's kids in cages today. It was kids in cages under Barack Obama. What's wrong with you? We see you. And the last administration did not have a morality problem. They did the job that needed to be done. You could have changed the laws. You could have made certain things easier. You could have made certain things more difficult. But a job had to be done. And you keep discussing this like somehow you're humane. That is not true. Which brings us to this back and forth between Jen Psaki and Peter Ducey about the border and comparing it to schools. 
We're working to fix the mess of the last couple of years. It's going to take some time, but this is clearly a priority for the president. We're looking at a range of options, uh, which include the opening of additional facilities. Uh, it includes uh, steps we can take to expedite the processing. It includes uh, application and implementation of these CDC guidelines that were just came out that allow for more uh, children to be housed safely in these facilities. So we're looking at every option possible to to help address the challenges we're facing at and the you border. mentioned those CDC guidelines. Does the White House think it's a problem that when the CDC tells these migrant shelter facilities that they can be at full capacity if they are careful about COVID, many of them do, but when the CDC tells schools that they can open in person at full capacity, many of them don't. Are, is there a school in particular that you have as an example that didn't? Whoa, 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 whoa. This is not a debatable subject, Misaki. Peter Ducey's asking the right question. You've got absolute authority to open up all the facilities, cages, all you want, but it's not happening with schools. And now you're going to debate this? You're going to pretend it's not happening? Oh, why don't you give me the specific school district you're talking about? Do that. Are most schools in this country at full capacity with in-person learning? Uh, are, is there a specific school, though, that is not following the CDC guidelines of, of implementing the mitigation steps so they can reopen? I mean, the CDC is... The dishonest nature of Jen Psaki's commentary. The, the, this is a maddening bit of back and forth. maddening bit of back and forth how dare you question anything we do the question is why aren't more people questioning it why aren't more people questioning what's happening they have a border policy that doesn't work because it was the border policy that wasn't Trump's, so they can prove they're more humane except they're not more humane and we are allowed to put people shoulder to shoulder in the cage, but we're not allowed to do things in schools, not because even so much the CDC, but because there are teachers unions that you protect Jen Psaki with your life that refuse to allow the students back. This administration is not impressive thus far. This is Tony Katz today. So Apple doesn't want you to call them subscribers anymore. They're calling them followers. So you can follow the podcast at Apple Podcasts. It's Tony Katz today. I'm Tony Katz. 833-GOT-TONY-833-468-8669. Instagram, Parler, Twitter, at Tony Katz. The one thing you can't do is get Parler, the app. They're still not allowing it. And that is of course, is obscene. The reason they're not allowing it is the story here. They're making the claim that Parler, right? So Parler's a Twitter-like app, and Parler actually allows you to speak freely, and Parler isn't censoring people on the political right like Twitter is. And since that's obviously and clearly the problem, right? Uh, that that that's the issue conservatives are allowed to speak freely 
Can't have that. Can't be a part of that. So Parler now has a new CEO, and uh, they've got the new servers, and they want to come back, and nope. The people of Apple said no, because they have not sufficiently complied with App Store review guidelines. Parler has highly objectionable content, this according to Apple, and they want it addressed. In fact, simple searches reveal highly objectionable content, including easily identified offensive uses of derogatory terms regarding race, religion, and sexual orientation, as well as Nazi symbols. This is what Apple told Parler, which is kind of interesting that Apple now really has a standard because Louis Farrakhan is still on Twitter. Here the Jews don't like Farrakhan, so they call me Hitler. Well, that's a good name. Hitler was a very great man. There's Apple. The defenders of goodness and decency. Here to save us from ourselves. Everybody knows, Tim Cook, that you're full of crap. We know it. We know that you're lying to us. We know that it's you don't want conservatives to be able to have uh, their own voice. We know that it's you want to be able to control conversations that go on out there. There's no other reason. It's that or really and truly, you're ignorant. One or the other. Pick one. Just be honest. There's no way you allow a platform where Louis Farrakhan is speaking. And by the way, Louis Farrakhan can hate Jews all he wants. I don't get to stop him. I've never said that he should be thrown off social media. Never once. I've said that if you're a fan of his, chances are I don't want you in my house. I have said of Congressman uh, Andre Carson of Indianapolis, you won't condemn this guy? You're willing to work with him? That, to me, makes you unworthy of being a congressman. I mean, it's just indecent. You, you, you need to choose uh, better the people that you're around. Andre Carson is the guy who wrote the bill that says if you were impeached twice, you can't be buried at Arlington. Right? Donald Trump's the problem, but he's okay with the relationship with Louis Farrakhan. Not quite the moral center we're all looking for. Apple's full of it. We, I mean, it's, it's very, very easy for us to see and for us to witness. So why shouldn't we say so? Why shouldn't we know so? Now, this COVID-19 relief bill is now finally getting some looking. People finally been able to get through 600 pages. There's an interesting report about the billions in the COVID-19 relief bill for black farmers. I said, huh, that's pretty interesting. And the argument is that it's going to provide billions of dollars in debt relief and other assistance for farmers of color. So there are farmers saying, just because you're a certain color, you don't have to pay back money. This is the quote. I don't care if you're purple, black, yellow, white, gray. If you borrow money, you have to pay it back. 
This is a quote uh, this is from Fox News. Kelly Griggs. She has an 1,800-acre uh, farm with her husband in Humboldt. The relief package includes $4 billion, an estimated $4 billion to pay up to 120% of black, Hispanic, Asian, or Native American farmers' outstanding debt as of January 1st. This according to the American Farm Bureau Federation. And I expect farmers to lose their minds because, yeah, this is bigotry. See, all the farmers are equal, but some are more equal than others. Well, Tony, it's just helping those who have been maligned. I, I, I don't know what to do with that except to call you a bigot directly to your face. I don't know how. What am I supposed to do? Stay quiet? Stay silent? Be like, hmm, tell me more about your, your understanding of the farmer's problems. The package designates about a billion dollars for equity commissions, agricultural training, improved land access, and other assistance to advance racial justice in farming. John Boyd is president of the National Black Farmers Association, saying to Fox News in a statement, by denying or or delaying black farmers the same loans, subsidies, and other payments made to white farmers, the USDA engaged in systematic racism that led to a dramatic decline in the number of black farmers. This is not in dispute. Now, the argument could be that what the USA has done in the past is wrong. I will not disagree if you could show me where the USDA prevented black farmers from getting loans. But now the answer is, well, we will pay off all of your debts? Those two two things don't jive, and it's real bigotry to say that they do. We have taken this, this conversation of race, and we have turned it into this holy hellscape battlefield from which nobody survives. No one survives. According to the USDA data, black farmers accounted for approximately one-sixth of farmers in 1920, but less than 2% of farms were run by black producers uh, in 2017. Ask farmers how many family farms there are out there compared to the corporate farming that goes on. They've got a story to tell about what's going on with with farmers. Right? This, This is not going to go over well. Because this is not a conversation of the USDA doing the right thing or the, the recognition of the wrong thing. This is saying that other farmers can suffer while some don't, which was supposed to be the thing that was wrong to begin with. It's supposed to be the wrong thing. Wrong is wrong is wrong. Doing it the other way doesn't make it better. This is ugly. This is flat out ugly. And there are people going to be, oh, no, this is fine. I guarantee you there's going to be someone out there and says, hey, it's just reparations. That's going to come. It ain't coming from me, but it's going to come from somebody. (laughs) It is only a matter of time.
We will see. We will see how they respond. By the way, just an update. According to NBC News, uh, Myers Leonard, who plays with Miami Heat, used the uh, anti-Semitic slur while he was playing uh, live streaming on, on Twitch. He has been suspended from all team activities for a week and fined $50,000. Huh. I would have argued he shouldn't be suspended at all. Maybe I'm impressed that the NBA actually took a step. He used an anti-Semitic slur. It's It's what he did. He clearly didn't know what it meant. He just knew it was something bad, and so he said it about somebody. And now he knows what it means. He doesn't need to get educated on the thing. He doesn't need week in and week out with a rabbi. He just needs to know, hey, that, that, that ain't cool. I, I would not have suspended him. I don't think there's a win in this. But the NBA did. I find that interesting. I'm curious to see how other NBA players respond to it. And maybe it happened because it was Miami. Larger Jewish population there. Would have it been a different reaction if it was another town, if it was San Antonio? I don't know. Again, I would not have gone through with a suspension. I don't believe in cancel culture, but the team has done what it's done. We'll see what the reaction is. I'm Tony Katz. I had promised myself yesterday that I wasn't going to do another story for a while about what's happening in schools and this conversation about Marxism. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today is so good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. However, there's just another story. You know, it, it's, it's, it's like Godfather 3. The only thing to come good out of uh, Godfather 3, every time I want out, they pull me back in. And this is a story of what's going on in California. California's proposed ethnic studies curriculum urges students to chant to the Aztec deity of human sacrifice. I'm sorry, what? It's Christopher Rufo with the story. This out of City Journal, city-journal.org. City Journal is excellent. And I can't recommend it enough. Just like I can't recommend, you know, Law Liberty enough uh, from the people at Liberty Fund city-journal.org the story here is that california's proposed ethnic studies curriculum calls for the decolonization of american society and has students chant to the aztec god of human sacrifice this is very true when you read it the ethnic studies model curriculum the third field review draft december 2020 Critique empire building in history and its relationship to white supremacy. Challenge racist, bigoted, discriminatory, imperialist, colonial beliefs and practices on multiple levels. Connect ourselves to past and contemporary social movements that struggle for social justice and an equitable and democratic society. Build new possibilities for a post-racist, post-systemic racism society that promotes collective narratives of transformative resistance. The elimination of the individual is, of course, a play here. Now, every time we discuss the elimination of the individual, I think people bristle. But we have shown time and time again, 
that if you, as you take a look at critical race theory and as you take a look at anti-racism, both bigoted practices, whether people like it or not, it doesn't matter. They're bigoted practices. They declare that groups of people are guilty based on the color of their skin. As a matter of fact, it pushes to turn people into groups that are inescapable, even if they themselves don't have any other connection to that group. And then it labels the larger group, and it is inescapable to get away from it. That's what they're trying to do. Remove the individual. It doesn't matter if you're a good person. Look at the color of your skin. You're guilty. Well, that used to be a way Americans thought, right? Or some Americans thought. And we said, hey, that's no way to think. And that's why Martin Luther King said content of character, because that's what's supposed to matter. And critical race theory looks at that concept and goes, same thing with anti-racism. It is bigotry. I bring receipts, people. It's all I can do. When you take a look at something that promotes collective narratives, you're talking about the elimination of the individual. And allow me to bring further receipts because one of the sources here is Paulo Freire. I hope I'm getting the last name right. He wrote Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Pedagogy, right? Teaching, right? The art of, 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 of instruction. Now, you may not know anything about Paulo Freire. But Paulo Freire's work in this work in, in the, this uh, in this book, uh, Pedagogia uh, del Oprimido. I think I'm saying it right. Right? Which is all about teaching and is all about um, well, Marxism. He himself strongly influenced by Karl Marx. So this book is being referenced to how to teach students in California, and of course it's Marxism. The same Marxism that wants to do away with Western culture and wants to get rid of the individual. Why? Because the state reigns supreme when there's no individual. Do you think this is all just coincidence? They can yell and scream and squawk all they want. The facts are the facts, and the more we discuss them, the more angry they get. And what do they call it? They call it denial. And then people like Robin D'Angelo and Ibram Kendi say, mm, look at that denial, just uh, proof of how racist they are. Facts are facts. Let's talk about how in these conversations, one of the co-chairs talks about um, how you have to uh, do away with the Eurocentric, white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchal, heteropatriarchal, which is homophobic, and anthropocentric paradigm brought from Europe. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll do just that. And then they have the solution. According to the curriculum materials, as Christopher Rufo reports, to name, speak to, resist, and transform the hegemonic Eurocentric neocolonial condition in a posture of transformational resistance. And how does that work? Equity, decolonization, revitalization, reconciliation, critical hope, counter-narrativity, counter-hegemony, counter-genocide, anti-racism, anti-sexism, anti-settler colonialism. Wait a second, did I just say counter-genocide? Counter-genocide is actually written and counter genocide would mean genocide they're going to argue that what's been happening to black and brown people is a genocide and so the answer is a genocide of their own and that's what they want to teach your kids now if you're asking me 
I don't think you should let him. I think you should say no. And even if they call you a racist or a bigot, and even if they come after you, I think you should just keep standing up. Because uh, uh, a man can't uh, step on your back uh, if, if it's not bent. That's Martin Luther King, too. I'm Tony Katz.